Father in heaven, we thank you for your creatures that teach us about you, your love for us, how they help to um, increase the value of the um, earth that you've given us to work. We ask that you will please be in charge of this uh, conversation this afternoon and that we will lift you up is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I am Melanie Moore. Oops, my hand. I shouldn't put that over the microphone. I'm Melanie Moore, and my husband and I and our children own a chicken farm. Now, I'm going to, before we go on, I'm going to just, I'm sorry, you still have your hand up. What's your question? Well, I have some. I have a guinea now. I had some guineas, but okay. yeah, uh, or we did had. I should say we. All right. Now, my husband, uh, short and sweet. My husband is a pastor in the Florida Conference. We live about an hour and fifteen minutes from right here, Camp Kalakwa, and about ten minutes from the villages and a half hour south of Ocala. And so, those are our big cities. An hour and 15 minutes north of Orlando, which is the mega city for, for the rest of everybody else. Anyway, we live in the country, and a few years ago, uh, the evangelism school that we were working with uh, closed. And we wanted to experience family life on a, on a larger scale, and we, we have done gardening. We have grown produce. Uh, temporarily, that is on hold for us because we have taken on a, a larger venture. And then I, my plan is within the next year, I keep putting it off, but within the next year that we will be um, maintaining at a good speed so that I can get back to, the, to gardening and all that, which is why many of you are here um, this weekend. So anyway, but we took a little side trip and we decided we wanted to get some chickens just to have that farm life experience. So we bought a handful of chickens and we're thinking to ourselves, because we have four horses, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, we can use the manure from the chickens to compost and to help the grass to grow so our horses won't eat us out of house and home during the winter time. Well, 27 chickens is not going to make a dent in that. So I don't know if that's where you're coming from and you want to help to increase the, uh, the nutrients in your soil or something like that. 27 chickens doesn't make a dent for four horses because they'll eat you out of house and home uh, in regards to grasses. Anyway, so we quickly advanced to the spring and my husband got chicken fever. And uh, what that is, it's a disease known as um, you go out to the stores, the tractor stores and this and that. You're looking for gardening supplies, right? Or you go over to Ace Hardware. we got to get some feed for the horses. And, oh, Mel, there's like 50 chickens over here. And then two weeks later, there's 50 chickens. And then we're like, tractor supply, hey, we'll take whatever red comets you have left. We'll take them all. They said, okay, we'll give them to you for 97 cents a piece. They even gave us chickens when they learned that we had had success with helping sick chickens and chickens with eye issues and things like that. So we have stories to tell. So, but let's get down to the, to the real reason why we are here, chicken basics. And we're going to start off, what is the benefit of having a chicken, any chickens on your farm to begin with, 
and uh, the benefit of having more chickens than you think you ha really have need for. So um, right here, bug control. Chickens, guinea hens, uh, quail even, are all good for bug control. When we moved on to our property, and um, David Collins could probably uh, vouch for us on this, he, has, he and his wife visited our farm before it was a farm, I should say, our property that God gave us, and he gave us lots of locusts and, and grasshoppers. We had, it was like a, swa a cloud you would drive through and they were all over the place. That is the chicken's haven, the chicken's heaven. Um, many of you are gardeners, and who knows what these are? Grubs, yes. And of course, we up here in the middle, we have uh, crickets and uh, uh, what's another pest that is known around the garden, the farm? Begins with an R or C, a roach, cockroaches. In Florida, the largest ones are the largest uh, cockroach type looking bug is called a palmetto bug. And I actually greet the palmetto bug in our mailbox on, on occasions. And I let him just live in there until the spiders take him out. So anyway, then we have the next benefit we have is soil improvement. Now this might be a little bit controversial. Many of you know much about improving your soil through what you can add, composting and things like that. I haven't gotten into all those great details, except I do know that if you put chicken manure or their droppings or other language as is indicated on the slide, uh, chicken manure will burn your plants, and you probably know that more so than I do, but we can attest to that. You can put it straight on grass, and, and if nobody has mixed it in and added any uh, water to it to dilute it, it will burn your grass. However, you add in the, the element of having chickens to mix in the, the, the nutrients into the soil, and then you add the rain or other... Um, man-made irrigation, um, yeah, man-made irrigation. Man irrigation that you can end up with a very nice uh, fertile soil. Now our land down here, we have clay probably about four feet down, but everything above that is sand. And so as you can imagine, we have things like uh, your sand burrs, we grow dog fennel very well in Florida when you leave your soil uncared for and, and no mixing in. When we moved on our property, in fact, we had dog fennel that was taller than our car. And it was quite the, the chore to get rid of it. Now, so the chicken droppings is uh, acidic. It will burn things, except when you get it mixed into the soil, it actually lowers the pH of the soil. Or, or lowers the um, acidity of the soil, not the pH. Okay, anyway, excuse me. So, nothing, swipe again, nothing is wasted. So, we have had a garden. This is not our garden. We actually didn't have video back then of our chickens. We have pictures of our chickens eating the leftovers from the garden. We actually grew a garden of collard greens, and they, for the chickens, we were uninformed at that time that we could, and we thought we could just feed the chickens collard greens and they will just, they'll do wonderful. 
Well, we found out that that's like candy to chickens. They do know when to shut off. Some, like unlike some of us uh, adults or or other human beings, we we don't know sometimes when to shut off a good thing. But chickens know when they have received too much of, of a good thing, and they will stop eating. So they nothing is wasted. In fact, I don't even have a compost pile at our house. Um, there isn't a chance of that. The chickens would take if if it's not uh, covered they will take and clean it out. Uh, so I just take my scraps out the back door and I, strawberries are a favorite and so they will take care of that. Another benefit to having chickens, pets. Now we will touch on uh, brooders. Are we touching on brooders some other place? You gotta tell them what the, where that is. Okay, how many of you would like to guess where that picture is taken? Not in, not in the kitchen. Right beside the kitchen, very good guess. Yes, it's right. In fact, you can see the kitchen cabinet. That is right in front of, in our front door in the living room. Now, so, so let me say something here. Okay, this is not the 27 chickens, by the we, way. We, we built this brooder inside the living room with no thought of having to get it out the door. No thought whatsoever. And so we built this thing in the living room, we get all these chickens, we put the chickens in it, and then we have to go on a trip. So we asked my friend Bob to take care of the chickens. He's about 73 years old at the time. And Bob comes over and he's just, God bless the man. Because at 73 years old, he was kneeling down in front of the brooder, rolling up poopy newspaper, putting down new newspaper. When we got home from that trip, the chickens were fine. The newspaper was fine, and there was chicken dust from the bedroom at one end all the way down to the living room at the other. The whole house was covered with chicken dust, so don't do this. Yes. So this is our. This is the. These are learning curves, um, and these by far. In fact, we probably have about 89. We started with about 250 chicks in that brooder. It was a nine-foot brooder. And that they will quickly outgrow that. So uh, planning is important, but pets, this is the point we're on right now. Pets, those are all of our pets, really. Those, those chickens are pets. Okay, and of course, here's pets again. Um, who needs Twitter when you have a following like this? I think I posted that on Facebook one time. I was like, and it, and it does, and I'll tell you what, um, you know how you get encouragement from hanging out with your, with your children and when they choose to do something right, and, and it's just like, yes, and you just have that feeling, that exhilaration, well, that's what this is like, these chickens every morning. That's out of my garden, those are carrots, and they thought they wanted some. They don't like carrot tops very much, but they... <laughs> well, anyways, I think it's life. <laughs> This is one of our pets. Her name was One Eye, um, Tractor Supply Store. Ooh, ooh, tractor Supply. Uh, they asked, they said, you've had success with some of your chickens in, in helping them along. Her eye had been, uh, we thought it had been completely plucked out, um, but indeed she did have it. It was taken out of its socket. She never had any use of it, but she was able to survive. So if you have a chicken that has one eye, they will survive. They will do very well. They will also stay very close to home, and they know that who they can trust. So that's one eye. Uh, we regularly had conversations. There she is again. She was by far, I think, my all-time favorite chicken. Um, I had I 
No kidding. You can learn how chickens talk, and different breeds have a different way of speaking. So uh, the amount of time you spend with them, they, by, they are your pets, and they will, they will communicate with you. Okay, but not all my chickens are my pets. <laughs> so, okay, this chicken here is a pet, and, and it seems to be a lot of pictures of me with chickens and things like that, but a chicken that has to come into my home is a famous chicken. I call it a famous chicken, and we uh, do a selfie, or I have my kids say, quick, quick, take a picture of this. And this chicken, we're not sure why our um, great Pyrenees pup had carried him to the house. We thought maybe he was trying to kill him, but that's not in their, in the, in their personality to kill the chicken. But he brought him to the house, and there was a problem with his crop. And, and it was extremely bloated and full of water. So we thought maybe the dog had saved the chicken from drowning. We're not sure. So I call this guy Little Rooster. And he's special because Pastor Scott prayed for him and said, and said Lord, if you will please heal this chicken, then uh, I, will not, I will not harvest him ever. And this is a rooster. Roosters you got to be careful with. Uh, so anyway, Little Rooster is still alive. We actually called him, I called him, no offense here, he can roll his R's. How many of you have the gift of tongues is speaking Spanish or are uh, culturally inclined that way? He, no kidding, he can roll his R's as he's crowing. Okay, next benefit is eggs. Uh, some people might not think this is a benefit, but there is a benefit, for me, it's a benefit of ministry. Um, also, for me, I, I'm a, for the most part, I am a vegan, vegetarian. I love to cook that way. I, 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 it's just awesome. At the same time, I also had a nutrient deficiency in which, by rotating my diet, I had to incorporate eating eggs. And I would much rather eat my eggs, or the eggs that God produced through the chickens that he gave to me to care for, than to eat someone else's and something that is nutrient deficient. So eggs, the other thing is ministry. Again, we'll touch on that also going to the market and reaching out to others. And so we've had a plethora of eggs. There have been times where I haven't had enough eggs. And when I say that, um, about two and a half months ago, it went down to about three and a half dozen eggs a day, and I was feeding 300. So that was a very that was a very hard day. These are our youngest. How are you feeding go back to that. Do what? Go back. <laughs> yes. How are you feeding three hundred? Oh, uh, we have how like what am I feeding them? No, how are you feeding three hundred? How are we feeding oh, three? We feed them. Yeah, we feed them, and they're, they just. Yeah. Oh no, no. So. No, I, I will, and we'll get into we'll touch on the ministry aspect. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, okay, it's safe to move? Okay. We're, we're happy to give you a copy of this presentation. Yeah. So, and also they will have this on audio verse, um, at least the audio part. Oh, and the slides too, they have that. All right, these are our youngest. This is also our first, no, it's not our first house. These are our youngest. This is where they would roost. Um, so that house, we think, will hold about 300, no, that's the maximum like 250 uh, very comfortably. Otherwise, you have to start adding wood perches, branches, and things like that, which we have done. And did it. Um, okay. Uh, that coop is 8 feet wide and 12 feet long. And 9 feet 
nine feet tall, I think, too, above above the platform, because it's actually, yeah. we'll tell you about that when we get to coops. Yeah, we're on breeds right now. When we okay. get to the coops, then I'll, I'll tell you about how I made it. All right. With breeds, I will tell you, I would probably, um, I would do a study on your breeds, which one you want, where do you live, um, how temperatures can they sustain, uh, how much light hours you have, because that will either, I mean, if you're not doing it for egg production, no sweat. But if you are, um, you need to have those kind of things in mind when you're, when you're considering breeds of chickens to have. Our most friendly, docile, fun-loving family bird is what's called a red comet, or is more popularly known as an ISO brown nowadays. Um, they all have their different uh, names and special names and, uh, you know, hoity-toity and all that. And uh, so, but I here, well, I'm going to share with you what we know about the breeds that we have had on our property. All of them are good enough to survive cold temperatures and all of them, for the most part, survive warm temperatures very well. The first one is Buff Orpington. They're a dual purpose bird. They do not, so they, they can gain weight, but they don't get excessively large and they're good for egg production. So they, you have meat and eggs. That means when they're done and they're spent, uh, but before they get to where potential for illnesses to come in, and the older the chicken gets, you may have to consider what you're going to do with your chickens. You may have to consider where they're going to go. Is somebody going? Is you going to pass them on to somebody else to harvest them? Uh, you don't want a bunch of chickens getting ill uh, around other chickens if you're going to have a good number of them. Rhode Island Reds. They can be a little bit cantankerous. Uh, they're quite outspoken at times, and they'll let you know what is on their mind. They are a dual-purpose bird as well, and they have fairly decent egg production. Uh, probably, they're probably once every 30 hours or so. Um, this is a barred rock. Uh, she's also a dual-purpose bird and for, good for meat and eggs. Uh, now, I will notice, I will mention that I noticed in this breed especially, we had a higher incidence of stroke. So when you have, they go through heat or some major, uh, some major catastrophe, for whatever reason, the barred rock, we had several um, that had stroke. And how we know this, they had it, sudden blindness. And sudden blindness means that they will, they will cease to thrive. They can't see their food anymore. They don't know where to find water. So, um, you know, you might have, you may want to consider what to do with your birds as well if you find them in a, in a situation where they cannot provide for themselves. So considering that as well. Here's Isa Brown. They're also known as cinnamons. They're known as red comets, uh, golden comets. Uh, these are the star producers. Uh, 300 to 350 eggs a year. They lay a nice brown, large egg. Black sex lynx, they are a dual purpose bird, more like 200 to 280 eggs. They're very beautiful, very soft. Um, what's the trans, is it shimmery, translucent, or whatever you want to call it. Um, they love to hang, this breed loves to hang out by our house. I'm not sure if that's just because we reared them closer to the house, but Americana. 
Um, these girls will lay, um, they can lay a cream egg, they can lay a green egg. You look at them and you know, well, they look a little bit like what? Do, a hawk. Um, but they lay a green egg, and how you can tell this, and, and well, of course, they're hawk. I call them cheeky sometimes because they have puffy cheeks. They don't have the traditional waddles, although if you feel their feathers down below under their chin or under their beak, they're a little bit looser. Um, their eggs are a little bit smaller. How you can tell the color, though, is the earlobes and the legs. We had, uh, when we first got our chickens, we got some leghorns, and we're going to get to those. We thought we had bought five leghorns, five white leghorns, which means they're going to lay us a white egg. And it turns out that we had not an Americana, but an Aracana. And she was a beautiful white chicken with green as green legs could be. But she definitely did not look like our white leghorns. She didn't have a comb, anything like theirs. You can also tell if they're ready for laying eggs um, by the color of their legs, their combs. Their combs will start to get big and bright and red. They will not droop over. We had one of these white leghorns, the last one we sold as a pet to um, somebody down visiting just to come get some pet chickens for their son. Um, she always had a floppy comb. And I was like, man, Scott, this chicken isn't... She's the last one. She's beautiful. She's never molted, um, but she's got a floppy comb, and she had never given us an egg from day one, but she made somebody a very nice pet. Okay, American Heritage White. These are for, and I'm going to, um, I'll just be up front with you. Our farm has gone further than egg production. Well, we had to do something. When we brought 250 chickens to our home, what are we going to do with 250, about 250 eggs a day? If we had that much, it's probably closer to 200, 175 to 200 a day. What are we going to do with them? So um, there's a whole ministry story that goes along with this set of birds. And these are American Heritage Whites. They're a heritage breed, which means they grow more um, evenly. Uh, the, the, lay, or the thigh and leg to the breast proportion. Um, but these are for uh, meat production. But take a look and see if you can see Waldo. Can you see Waldo in that picture? Yes. Okay, what do you think about that chicken? <laughs> I think it's four-legged and has horns. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> We actually, my daughter, uh, got word from Camp Kawakwa when we were here in October that their goats had a baby. So we have an African pygmy goat, and she's the one of a kind. She thinks she's a chicken sometimes. She thinks she's a dog. She thinks she's a horse. And, of course, she is a goat. The next one is guinea hens. Somebody asked about guinea hens. Uh, they are excellent alarming, alarmists. They will let you know when your friends are coming, and they'll let you know when your enemies are there. They'll let you know when the predators are around. And they're good for flea, tick, and ant uh, populations. What's their egg production? Egg production? Right now, she, is that ours? That yeah, one's not really ours. Yeah, we don't, I, we don't really, and I really never really tapped in that because they are very, if they find out that you found their nest, they will hide it somewhere else. So for a little while, she got uh, ours that we have left. We started with three. Um, we had a predator get one. One had us, we believe, had a heart attack or something because he was completely unharmed. 
uh, just I found him out. We thought maybe the dogs had tormented him because they can kind of get into it with the dogs. They'll, they're outspoken. But um, so we think maybe she had a heart or he had a heart attack. Um, but we do have one guinea, and she's just as good as can be. Eggs, though. She quit laying in the fall, <laughs> and so she has not started. They do that. They'll stop, and, or they'll, she'll hide it somewhere else, but she is not laying on a nest. We know that. You have a question, young man. No, they are not a chicken. They're not a chicken. However, they are related, and they're within that, in that species. Uh, I will tell you that the nutrients, if you're going to compare eggs, uh, the smaller the egg, the denser the nutrients. So for if somebody is an egg eater and they want to know and they need a special diet, then they may, they may want to consider the guinea egg. Yeah. I was 13 when I saw my first guinea. I thought he had skin. I didn't know if they had feathers. <laughs> yeah, they do have feathers. And, they, and I call them, they have an old-fashioned dress. They've, they've got, I've got this, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably demonstrate a few things for you. There's actually a challenge out whether or not I'll do it. But anyway, they run like they got a dress. Our, our, our chickens and our roosters especially look like football players with their knickers on, you know. Okay, so... Anyway, all right. On then we have turkeys. Oh yeah, another question. Very nice. And I should back up on the on the pest control. On a, when we first got our chickens, when we had the twenty six to twenty seven, we actually for our family it's rare. We're a very busy family, of being a pastoral family. But it, so on the Sabbath that we are home and down, it is very nice to just chill out on the farm. And so what we do is at that point, we, we didn't know what to do with all these chickens. And we were just enamored by their behaviors and things like that. And we knew of a spot in our, it wasn't in garden proper. It was off to the edge of the garden. And we knew there was a spot full of grubs. We knew it. So we go out there and we're just sitting on the ground and feeding them because we didn't want them in the garden, right? We had it fenced off. So we're, we had a trowel out there. I mean, we didn't have any tools. It was just in the garden. We're sitting there on Sabbath afternoon just picking through the soil and feeding, hand feeding our chickens and calling, here, chicky, 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 chicky. And no kidding, these chickens come running. They come running at you like, oh, she's got the, the rooster is calling, you know. It's time to come eat something. So, yes, we have, that's fa fun family times. Young man, you have a question. I don't know about ticks. I know they. I know that the guineas do. A chicken will eat anything that can that moves that he can get in its mouth. A chicken will eat anything. Each other. Anything. Includes each other. And and anything that moves. I mean, they see it. If it's moving, they'll and they can pick it up. They'll eat it. Well, that's not true, because they do. They know. Any of you seen a poisonous caterpillar? Or you know not to touch that caterpillar. And we would offer them the wrong thing. We didn't know it wasn't good for them, but they would refuse it. So they're very smart. They know I, God has, has put within their, their brain mechanism a way of recognizing what is harmful and what is good. All right, we're going to move on to housing. We have our, our uh, initiative was to do what? 
put out as little as we could to do the best that we could. And so here we have Brandon, uh, our youngest of our four boys. He's out there. Uh, we had collected uh, wood pallets. Uh, different companies, um, packaging, big machinery, you name it, you go find it, they will give it to you. Say, please take it for us. So we, we actually, uh, no kidding, one point I was like, man, our, our property looks like a tornado has flown through here because we had wood pallets dismantled. We took them apart. Well, I didn't. The boys did. And dad took them apart, put them together. And this is our, what we call the stationary coop. Now, this is where your planning comes in, in housing, because you need to plan before you have chickens. How many of you have chickens? Okay, and maybe you all know, or have, I don't know, our experience is we worked backwards. backwards. We, yeah, it, it's, it's like, um, oh, if you, if you build it, we will come, but if you don't build it, uh, we will take over, and we will show you how they took over. You remember the brooder of the, the picture of the brooder that was in the living room? We built the coop that those chickens are now living in while they were in the living room. So we didn't have the coop ready for them when we got the chickens. Yes. But I'll, I'll show you more about that. This, this was very cool because we have almost a 100% oak stationary coop because many of your pallets are oak wood and so I took a sawzall with a metal blade on it and just ran down in between the um, you know what a pallet looks like I just took the heads of those nails off leaving the heads of the nails in the wood so the the vertical ones still had the long piece of nail in it and the flat pieces that are across the skid or the wood pallet still had the nail head in it so we have very little nails on the ground. Sawzall works very good. So, and we had some tin uh, Scott's dad had given us, and so we had just saved it for, for a rainy day, and, and this happened. A church uh, was getting rid of their stuff, and they would had like a church work bee, and so what they did was give the chalkboard away. So we, we uh, ripped that in half, and, and there's our nesting boxes. Now, this is a stationary coop. Uh, and there are benefits to having a stationary coop. The drawback to having a stationary coop is that you're going to have to go in and clean out what is in there. There's no way to collect. I mean, as stationary, I mean, literally, we hadn't planned for collecting any manure. We had um, been given a ton of mulch uh, that was not ready to be used in our garden. Uh, we were using the back to Eden method in our gardening and uh, the, the, the mulch was not spent enough and not broken down enough. So we decided we're going to coat the floor of the house. So every few days, the kids and I would go out, uh, Scott too, we'd go out and we'd have to shovel that thing out. Oh, talk about manual labor. And, uh, but they did clear out the bugs that were in our, in our mulch. Then we just recycled that mulch, put it back in another pile or sprinkled around the yard or threw it on the garden, something like, you know, around the edge of the garden, wasn't on the garden. But anyway, so we recycled that again. And so the drawback for that is, is just the manual labor. Then also we outgrew, we outgrew that situation. So we had to build our first mobile coop. This is, a, this is a recycled pop-up trailer camp, uh, camper. We took everything off. It was our family's uh, trailer for carrying our, um, 
Fly fishing boat. Fly fishing boat, but we weren't using it for that purpose at that, at that time. And we're like, well, we need to repurpose it again. So um, that, that, that trailer came with us from Michigan all the way to Florida and now is a chicken coop and will stay on our property. May I say something? Yes, you may. Uh, the floor of this, what we did, your pop-up trailer is only like six feet wide. We put two-foot extensions on the side, welded them on there, and uh, ran another rail all the way down from front to back. And then I took four by eight sheets of trailer wiring, the trailer flooring that you see on your trailers that you buy at like a tractor supply company. Took four by eight sheets and put those on top of that frame and then built the structure on top of that. So there's the floor that's in the bottom of that coop is metal, it's just like the, the wiring on a tractor supply trailer. So we go in there and we squirt it out a couple of times each week or, or a couple of times every two to eight weeks. <laughs> we squirt it out when we have time. But the, the cool thing is you can move it from one place to another. And the theory is you really don't have to do much cleaning. But because the, the chicken poop is so caustic, it will eat through the metal. That's one of the lessons that we learned. So we have parts of that floor that are falling apart, but now we don't have to keep them locked up in there anymore because we have guardian dogs that take care of the predators that were coming. But uh, this little part right here is on hinges. Both doors swing open, and so that's where we access the eggs in that particular coop. Um, I will tell you that the drawback to using uh, wood in your nesting boxes is the fact that you do need to go in there. You will have hens that will try to overnight in, in the nesting boxes, and they do make a mess. Uh, and we, for us, we used whatever wood we had on our property at that time. Um, at that point, uh, we, I didn't have a job, so we were cutting corners and, and what we can do to get by. And so we are using whatever was available. And so uh, that house is, a, is about to... As soon as we decide what to do with our, uh, our old layers, uh, we'll be probably revamped. And my goal would be that there would be something metal there or maybe not even have. That is a very, they're very tight quarters in there, which does well. But on that side where the, um, where the nesting boxes are at, there are roosts. And we'll cover the, the, uh, how you need to be careful where your nesting boxes are because of the placement, you know, in regards to placement of roosts and things like that because you want things out of line of fire. So we may have to do some rethinking on that model. The benefit to having that type of a structure is you can pull it easily through your yard. You can leave it in a location, in a location for a, maybe a week or sometimes it, for our, on our farm it can be longer. And then you move it out, you allow the moisture in as, also from cleaning and it helps to, um, it, it gives a heavy dose of, of fertilizer to that, to that spot. So we have that uh, one, and then our next one is, this is the newest addition. Uh, we came by this rather, this was given, this, to, this us. Was given to us. Actually, almost every, <laughs> everything you see, yeah. We're real big on doing things as, cheap, things as cheaply as we possibly can. Yeah, so we, uh, financially, um, this ha we acquired this house and we were doing it as a favor for someone. Their hens had stopped laying and they wanted to know why. They found out that their hens had not been, I don't advise you to take on anybody else's hens because sometimes you can have disease come in this way. 
but we knew that they were in a place where they, they were the chickens. And uh, it, it, there wasn't another population of animals or, or of chickens around. So um, we took a risk and we brought 84 of the hens that were left from that house. He had 600 originally in that house. They were not being fed. They were emaciated when they came to us. Their combs were very small. They were very wasted. Um, they are now starting to lay. And we're probably three months, four months into this process. So that house has wooden structure. That's a um, old construction trailer split in half. So it's basically a, like a single wide. And um, it has uh, nesting boxes in there. Uh, we have to do some, some revamping of that. They still have insulation. Um, chickens and other wildlife are going up into the top of the house and pulling out the fiberglass uh, insulation and things like that. They're just probably not the safest. But anyway, that is a very nice. It's also mobile when it is not stuck in the ground as it is now. This here is our, um, okay. This here is our, uh, mobile housing, and we know of other people that have used this for layers as well. This structure costs us about $250 to build, right? This is also the structure that we do have plans for, and then if you are interested in, in receiving plans, they're very similar to a lot of the uh, other hoop style housing, but if you're interested in those plans and maybe want to adapt another one, you are welcome to get a hold of a copy of ours. I don't have any here. Are there any copies, but we can email them to you. Anyway, Scott's going to show you how we move this. And there's a couple variations on this. this. This house is probably our easiest house that we ever built. We have 32 of these structures now. Each one typically contains 50 birds. Um, you can do the math on that if you'd like. But it's simply two cattle panels, 50-inch high cattle panels that are 16 feet long. You have a frame that is 104 inches in depth. It's nine feet across on the front, and I've got the PDF plans for this if you want the plans for it. Very easy to put together. We can build one in less than a day, and that includes everything on it if you have all the parts with you. But the what keeps it in that dome shape is that the cattle panels are real thick. It's like 14 gauge, or maybe it's even less than that, um, steel panels. And so pulling them into that wooden frame is what keeps that bow there, and then you just tack that frame on, tack the uh, cattle panels onto your wooden frame with fence nails. But uh, this video is going to show you how we move it. We move our houses every day except for Sabbath. Sabbath we feed them, but we do nothing other than to feed them on Sabbath. Um, okay, hang on oh. a second. And we water them. You can't forget about that. Yes, we do water them. You're right, David. We water them. Should we back it up? Sure, back it up. Okay. Awesome. All right. Good morning, you're at Wholesome Conversions Farm. And we are gonna show you how we move our hoop houses. These get moved every day to a new fresh piece of grass so that the chickens can graze. This is how we call them pasture. So I'm gonna show you how we do this. I'm gonna put a wheel on both sides. Then I'm gonna push the house forward. Okay, you're going to see some chickens kind of pop out of here. Those chickens are already, they have, there's one. Bless her wee little heart. Her leg is hurt. And the other one, if you see this other corner, he's going to pop out in a second. I guess it's a boy. They're both boys. Let me out. Let me out. Please. So see, he's having a problem with his leg already. So Scott did not hurt him. 
Let me, let me tell you something about this. Did you see how my right foot was out and my left foot was in? I have tried doing it with my right foot in and my left foot out. I just can't, I'm not coordinated enough to do that. I don't know what's, why that is, but I have to have my right foot out and my left foot in. Maybe that's just me, but we have 32 of these. Just a second. And they're, they're full of birds. Now, there are adaptations to moving that, and we actually would love to get a hold of Polyface Farms in, uh, in Virginia has, a, has made their own uh, little dolly to help lift it up so it's not lifted up so high that they escape when they're babies or younger. Um, we'd love to get a hold of, of those plans or try to come up with something like that. But what we also do, I, have, I also have tried Scott's method and I have injured myself so, ladies, take it easy. Uh, but a lady, a, a couple of ladies, can move that. Can move those houses simply. My daughter lifts those on uh, the axles and puts the tires on. Uh, it's not her favorite thing to do. It's not even David's favorite thing to do, or Brandon's, or Daniel's, or well, Pastor Scott. He just loves it. <laughs> so anyway, but a few um, of the growing pains with this. Our land is not even at all. Yes, sir. How often? Every day. Daily, once a day, which uh, we used to have this dog fennel and this whole field was full of the uh, sand spurs. Now I will pay you money for the sand spurs that you find on my property because there aren't any except near the very edge of the fence where the houses don't go. Uh, it just completely changed the pH of the soil and to where the sand spur couldn't grow and where the dog fennel doesn't grow. These, these are all for our meat production birds. So there's no nests. We'll talk about nests in just a minute. Uh, let, me, let me just say something about the tires. Back up on them. The, these tires are 13-inch tires. I got them from Harbor Freight when they were on sale. We were using 8-inch tires, but because our property, the grass, the, the land isn't level, I was always running into dirt that was just like a two inches off the ground. So it was just a true headache. And one day I had this epiphany. You, you pray a lot when you're out there moving these houses. And I said, Lord, these things have to be easier to move than this. What's wrong? I mean, I've got to elevate these things. And then the light bulb went on, just get some bigger tires. So we got bigger tires. With the bigger tire, I have to move the babies faster Oops. Than, I, than I move the, the older birds. Because when you put the larger tire on there, that gives you more clearance for the frame of the, the structure. Well, the babies would just run right out unless you're moving faster than the babies are moving. And your goal is simply to move fast enough to where the babies then see all of those German cockroaches and the palmetto bugs that were underneath that piece of your structure, that were underneath that two by four. The, uh, the wood that is above the two by fours is not treated lumber. The wood that sits on the ground is treated lumber. I wanted them to last more than just a year or two. Florida's very wet, very humid. And, um, when, when we are moving these houses and we are at maximum capacity, that means all of the houses are filled. So right now, all of our houses are not filled. There's a, there's a glitch with that. And actually, some of those birds are rather large birds. We prefer that they are smaller, we, but we have run into a, a glitch. Our purchaser was so. purchasing 384 birds a week. And then I went in one week, he bought that set of birds and said, next week I only need 150 birds. Never mind, eight weeks earlier, I had put 400 birds on the ground to be harvested for him to have eight weeks from the time that we purchased them. So we had 
400 times 8, we had 3,200 birds that would have been taken to him at a very nice weight ratio, three and a half to four pounds are the restaurants that he's selling it to. But now the, the largest bird that we harvested was in between 12 and 13 pounds, and that's completely dressed out for somebody to roast. But uh, those birds that are outside right now are the larger birds. They were just too big to keep in the structure, so we let them out during the day, and then they, it's crazy, they find their way back to their own house at night. Do we have a hope problem? We do. Uh, we'll talk about predators in just a minute. Okay, so this is our last one. This David, actually... David just wanted to say something. Oh, I got a question. Right. Which one? Oh, I'm sorry, David. I like the new way we move them. It's less stressful. It's less stressful because why? Because all we have to do is slide the dolly underneath and someone pushes. Okay, so we have adapted this method. So um, which end do you like to be on, David? The dolly end or the pushing the dolly end? Of course. <laughs> oh, let me back up too and let you know that it takes about an hour and 15 minutes for uh, four peop three people to feed water and move the houses when we are at maximum capacity. That's what I wanted to tell you. So the houses don't take a whole lot, that house does not take a whole lot of time. Cleanup, there's, no, there's almost no cleanup. You have to make sure the water, watering uh, lines stay cl cleaned. Um, also, did we do a section on watering? Okay, so on watering, our method right now of choice, we've done nipples. Uh, and nipples is, in those houses especially are uh, showers. We wasted so much water. All summer long, we were out there watering four or five times a day. Watering, though, meaning four times, five times a day, we're filling a five-gallon bucket four or five times a day, and we're pulling a hose at this point because we don't have irriga our irrigation in. That was a plan, and, and because of these uh, fin financial setbacks, we had to, well, we're going to have to do this all manpower or... All, yeah, just human power and just pulling the hose through. So you're singing as you're pulling the hose through the field and pulling it up to these houses and that. And it gets to be rather laborious. And we're like, Lord, we know that there's a better plan. And then we knew what it was. We knew it was Bellwaters. But we're like, we can't afford to order 200 from China because that's where you can afford to buy them if you have that kind of money put back for that project. So it was quite amazing. We came across a quail farmer who was trying to, uh, actually the man who was asking us to grow chickens asked us if we would grow quail. And I said, no, no. It's, uh, my husband has taken some, some uh, leadership classes. I was like, Sky, hedgehog. if I remember that correctly, that's hedgehog principle. I, we don't have time. We have ministry and now we have chickens and we can't afford any more, any more projects, no. And so I was like, I refuse. He, he got him. You can identify with your wife saying we have too many projects. And he, he said, okay. He says, Jan, I will help you once. I will help you once, Jan. And I was like, Scott came home and told me we're going to do 100. I was like, I just can't. I can't. He's like, that's okay. Daniel and I will get them on a Friday. Friday of all days. We'll get them on a Friday. It's like, how does a pastor do this? <laughs> He does. He did it. Uh, he did it for Jan, is what is what he did. And way, and he told him no on them. By I the know way, I keep interrupting in a presentation that she's supposed to be doing. This gentleman named Jan that is purchasing the birds from us is a Jew. He is convinced that he is saved because of his nationality. And probably three months ago, I asked him to read Isaiah 53 and explain it to me just 
Yesterday. Yesterday, I got a phone call from Jan. He said, Scott, I've been reading Isaiah 53. And I'm convinced there's no one else it can point to but Jesus. Hallelujah. By the way, our farm has had one person join the Adventist church since we started the meat bird thing. And uh, tomorrow, our employee that comes out each Sunday for the harvest, his name is Logan. He's a senior in high school. He texted me. I've been asking him to come to church for a while. He texted me today. He said, have you seen the national news? The two middle schoolers at, my, at the, the school that I go to were planning on a mass shooting and they were just arrested today. He said, what is this world coming to? And I said, hey, bro, uh, sorry that this has happened. The Bible actually told us thousands of year before, years before today that this type of thing would be happening. Do you want to know about it? He said, I've heard of such a thing. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. He said, for sure, man. See you at church tomorrow, Pastor Scott. He never calls me Pastor Scott. <laughs> and he always calls me Scott, because all I am to him is a chicken farmer. That's how I'm winning souls, is as a chicken farmer, not as a pastor. Forgive me? I've already talked to my bosses about this, and they know I'm winning souls as a chicken farmer, and the pastor thing is just an added bonus for, I guess, a paycheck. Okay, so... Um, so all along the way, we've been blessed with things that we can, uh, we can use. And uh, we, one day, my, uh, Scott and I went walking, and we were like, and he's like, hey, what do you think that they want for that trailer? And it's a car hauler. So there was a, even a, a little hoodie thing on it. I don't know what to even call it. It's storage, whatever. We use that, too, for, how, for uh, protection for them if they, if they want it. It's out in the field somewhere. And uh, so we have this car hauler trailer, and, and uh, we've had it for two and a half years. Actually, her husband, he said, I want $1,100 for it. And I was like, whew. And I was like, okay, well, we'll talk about it. Scott says, we'll talk about it. And we talked about it. We knew it was just out of, it's not feasible on egg laying alone. We could not afford it. So, um, so we just let it be. This family comes up to our house uh, around Thanksgiving, and then again about a week and a half later. And we jo had just joked about the trailer and asked him if he had changed the price on it. He said, I don't think he said anything about it, but anyway, a week later, a week and a half later, he and his wife come up, and so I was like, well, this is unusual because we're getting a visit rather close in time. And so he says, uh, or what she says to me is, my husband wants to give me a Christmas gift. And I said, oh, really? That's great. Yes, I asked him to give you the trailer for Christmas. So will you please accept this as a gift on my behalf? Uh, so absolutely, praise the Lord. You know, we're excited about this. Uh, at the same time, this is the condition. It is, it is, there is progress. There's lots of progress. Um, and I'll explain why real quick, uh, why we need this trailer to be finished. But this is our, we call, I call this the chicken hotel. My goal is that all of these, all of our new layers will be in this house that have overtaken my barn, our barn. And so the goal, we feed them now, all layers are fed in the houses. They, they're fed in this house so they know that's where my food is at. Um, and then eventually we'll get the nesting boxes finished off. We're putting in, somebody, somebody gave, a, oh, it is a video? 
Somebody gave us, um, you know, that wire shelving that you put up in your cabinet or in the closets at home? They give us a massive boatload of that stuff. And, and we're like, what do we do with this? It's just sitting around our yard. We're like, ah, we got the idea. We're going to use it for our nesting boxes, the floors of our nesting boxes, so we don't have to use wood. And he's got some up on the, on the uh, left side there. Those are roosts. So the nesting boxes are back behind, but they will not be in the line of fire uh, when they're roosting at night. Uh, we also open them from the top rather than having a door that swings open. Uh, we've had uh, injuries because of our door swinging open. Uh, let's see what else. We are not completely flooring the inside of that one. We are putting, a one, what, two by twos? Is that what it is? Two by twos and um, putting them only in specific areas, I think. Are we going to do the whole thing? It's the floor is done. The floor is done. So there are places where you you see the ground and then you've got the um, the major supports on the on the floor or of the trailer, and then uh, so for a long time it was just sides. What well, one and thing so, you need to remember is that these are chickens. They don't care where they live. They just want to be safe. So it doesn't have to look pretty. The sides on that last building she showed you were a gift to us. It was recycled. Aluminum with insulation in the middle. Hindsight tells me I should have made a cold room out of that, but I didn't. I just peeled the metal off and stuck it on some wood, right? Um, the, the trailer floor was a gift. The two by fours we purchased, but all the other wood that we're using for the nesting boxes, I scrapped from the side of the road. I got a truck, and so when I'm driving along, if I see something I want, and it looks like they've put it beside the road, I double check and then I put it in my truck and it sits there and dirties up the yard until I take it apart and use it for another project. And then Melanie says, well, who cleaned up the yard? And I said, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, nesting. And I can actually, this will be a good segue for that. And that is, um, you know, ladies, I love to have a clean home. And I'd love it to be meticulously cleaned. And I'd love to have every day planned so that it, I knew what to expect. And that's just, it's in my nature. I don't know if any of you else, else of you can identify with that. The chicken coop cleaning was, uh, illness issue was part of, part of my issue, was over cleaning. You can over clean something that it, it, it makes the situation unhealthy for your chickens. And uh, unfortunately now, though, we're going to go back because chickens love a clean place to lay. So I love a clean place to live, um, uh, but we can, do, we can do too much good. We can be uh, so heavenly minded, we will be no earthly good. And, uh, you know, kids, your kids can tell you that in their behaviors if you start getting out of, out of whack in the house. So a neat yard is very important to me, but I know that someday... It will be a very neat yard, and I will not be embarrassed when anybody comes to visit me <laughs> and in due time. And it won't. How many of you have one of those farms where you have stuff just sitting out somewhere, and you're supposed to do something with it and have it yet? Just making sure nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, it was not a dig on you. It was just a recognition yeah. that I have a weakness. So anyway, but hens are very particular. They uh, hens like a clean place to lay. And unfortunately, they will lay in a dirty place or they'll quit laying on you if, you if they are not taken care of in regards to this. Okay, so we have, they like, they prefer dark places. 
This is behind stuff. It looks like it's wide open, but it's not. It's behind a door that's leaning up that we're using some other day for something else. Uh, I go in there. I do make sure because they will roost on the top of that door. And if that, if that milk crate is under there, it's in the line of fire. And so I have to change out the hay every day. I go into the barn. The reason why I have to go into the barn is because we have nests all over the barn. Oh, this is a video? So, look, she, we put a nest here because they like that. But that's a favorite nest. If they roost backwards in that, that's not a good thing. So that nest I make sure. As you can see, these chickens have taken over our barn. We were not prepared for them. We did not, we were not able to get the chicken hotel taken care of. And so, they have taken over our barn and it's not a good thing. They've taken over the tools. Uh, we are starting our own composting on top of our nesting boxes, but the nests are clean. All of this is recycled wood. There was a store that was closing, it had some wooden shelves, and I went in, they, they put it out by the road, said I could have it. So all of that is re all I paid for were the screws. Okay, here we have, where is this? Is this in, in the, the corner? corner? Okay, so if they don't, if the provisions are not enough, they will put it in the corner. The nesting boxes that you saw with the, with the milk crates, that was a place they had, it was a choice place. And I was like, man, this is, it was under one of our horse uh, saddle stands. I moved that out because it was going to get damaged. I knew it was going to be a bad situation. And uh, so we took the expensive saddles and got them up out of the way. And I'm like, well, they're putting eggs there and they continue to put eggs there. So I put a, a crate in there. There. And then I put a second crate in there, and so they they accepted that as as a good place to lay. Um, so they will lay in trees in the crooks of the trees. We've got those. We they uh, some of them are laying. Uh, there's a couple that are laying in our aluminum tubing. It's like an Easter egg hunt. I don't, you know, every couple of weeks I like, oh, okay, let's see where we can find some new eggs. Where, and listen, when you go outside and you hear them telling you things like that hen, the previous hen that just said, she was boasting that she had laid an egg and that he was in there disturbing the, the peace. And so she's like saying, hey, I've just done it. I've, I've arrived. I did it all. And so if you listen to what they're telling you, you'll know where they're laying eggs. So I do. I have some that are laying in aluminum, some that were laying under a palmetto bush, a new bush. Okay, illnesses, real quick on illnesses. The best illness prevention is to make sure that you are feeding your chickens adequately. Okay, um, you can allow them just to free range and do whatever, but your incidence of illness is very likely to be much higher than if you, if you do something uh, uh, proactive in feeding them uh, nutrient uh, or foods that are good for them and, and in the right quantities for them. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, most breeds are the same, except I will say the American heritage, uh, which a meat bird is different from a laying hen, in that the, their percentages of protein and fat and calcium need to be uh, adjusted or in the right range. Because a hen needs a particular ratio of protein and minerals and calcium to lay that egg, remember all the bread that you throw out takes up room in their crop and in their gizzard, and so they're not able to get that food in because they can only digest it so fast to begin with. They have about a four-hour digestion. We feed our birds two times a day. They have a four-hour digestion. So 
Remember, it's cool when people want to come out on a Sabbath afternoon to throw out some bread to them, but that is going to affect the way that they lay if you are looking to get more eggs out of your chickens. You may just want it for the, for the poo, and they give you a lot of that. But you want they can only eat so much, they can only digest so much, and if you're doing this for an egg production, you need to make sure you're giving them the food that they need rather than just the stuff that you think is cool to watch them pick up. All right, and these illnesses are ones that we have actually worked with. We have actually experienced them. Uh, and I can attest firsthand, or, or give a testimony firsthand, that we at one point underfed our chickens. Now, Scott and I had been given a gift, and we had taken a trip. This was a few years ago. And so we, in advance, went and purchased all the food that we needed or that the kids would need, and they, my parents came down, they're clueless, they didn't know anything about chickens or farms or anything, of course we didn't either when we first started. And so um, anyway, we just gave directions to our, to our uh, youngest son, who was about 15 at the time, and he knew very well what the regimen was, and, um, but we got home and we had purchased, I think it was 24 bags, and at that point we were buying bags at the feed store or at the, at the yeah. yeah, the feed store. And um, so 24 bags or thereabouts, and we got home and there were 10 bags left in the room. They should have called us and said, hey, we needed money for feed. And we're like, man, they don't need any food. And we got home and we looked in the room and we're like, oh, within two weeks we had an outbreak of foul pox. What you see here are lesions of foul pox. There are two types of foul pox. There's the, the dry one or the external, and that's what he, uh, she is experiencing. And mosquitoes are the carriers for that. But if their immune system is down, or they're not getting the nutrients that they need, much like humans, other diseases move in. So that is one principle that we have learned by, um, from the chickens that God also wants us to incorporate in, with our own bodies and what the, things that, the nutrients we take in. So chickens react very much the same way when they don't eat well. Um, wet pox is internal, and they get those same lesions, but they get them in on their trachea, and it'll take over their uh, lungs, and, and they die. There's, there's no, there's no same. There is, you can. I, we, don't, uh, we don't vaccinate anybody, and you can vaccinate, but the thing is, is mosquitoes are mosquitoes, and they're in Florida, and so uh, the best thing to do is just make sure you, your chickens are getting good nutrition. Blindness is a result of uh, having a stroke. Um, <clears throat> sudden blindness is, is stroke. That can be heat. Um, in our case, it's heat stroke. Uh, another, uh, another one that we've done is bumblefoot. Uh, it's where uh, they can get an ant bite, they can get a step on a burr, and, and it opens up a wound. And what happens is the body, their temperature is about 107 degrees. And so what their body does is try to localize that infection, and it keeps it in there. And so it encapsulates it into uh, their foot, and it, it's very painful for them. So the, the main purpose for us to remove it is to remove the, the, um, what is causing them pain so that they will be able to walk. We've done everything from, we did, like we packed that thing with antibiotic treatment. We, we wrapped it up with little horse wraps. It was the cutest thing. They run around that yard and they're, oh, there's that chicken over there because she's got the purple wrap on and that's so-and-so over there. And I'll tell you what, when, when the nutrition is good, Incidence of even bumblefoot goes down. I haven't treated bumblefoot in the last year, so, or more. Predators. 
Oh, illnesses, one more illness. It's called salpingitis. That's an infection of the oviduct. We have had a couple of hens have that experience. They will deliver what looks maybe like a, a wannabe egg, but it's not. It's, it's just one infection encapsulated. It's, it's, they put that protective, uh, it's like a calcium package around it, and they come out looking quite weird. I had a picture of one, but it didn't get included. Every internet site that you read about salpingitis tells you to kill your entire flock and start over. We We've never done that. Nor have we found a chicken that had salpingitis. We just knew that one or more had it because of the, um, the egg-like structure that they were laying that was not an egg. A soft egg. It, no, it was, it's not it even soft. It's much soft. No. Than a soft egg. It's thick. It sort of feels like canvas. You can cut it open. It smells terrible. Um, we did. We dissected the whole thing. Yeah, I haven't. We haven't done any ne ne necropsies, which is an autopsy on a chicken. Um, I've had a couple of hens that I've uh, figured that they have ingested some of the um, some of the insulation lately. I had three, uh, and they were all out of the same house, and they were good, strong egg layers. And so, uh, and they were healthy. And then one day we go in and they're acting weird and, and they're lethargic. Um, but I also saw a lot of uh, insulation disturbance. I've been doing some research on that and I'm not coming up with anything positive, but I'm, that's another thing that, that can happen. Um, so here's some of our predators and we have experienced every one of those on our property. And uh, the worst one by far has been the fox. Uh, the fox will work for quite a while. In fact, they work in teams and uh, the one will be hollering at one end of the field and the other one and then they sound like demons and oh they're awful uh, they're wily creatures they're very smart uh, so uh, you need to think about how you're going to take care of your predators the solution is here's our next here's our solution it's gilbert blythe savannah number two we had a pyrenees great pyrenees um, that died, we were gone from home for my son's graduation and um, Savannah got out. We think she went looking for her pack and where her pack, uh, we didn't have any other big dogs. And so Savannah number one uh, was hit um, on the highway and uh, while we were gone. And so we knew we needed predator control, but we had to start with pups. And God saw fit to give us Savannah number two because a friend of ours on, on Facebook and a friend from Alabama, she said, Melanie, I've got this, I think it's a Pyrenees, and I can't afford to feed this dog. I, and I was like, so I told Scott, I didn't think he was going to do anything with it. And he says, no worries. Just add, we'll send her money to pay for the dog, dog food. Um, I will pick her up on the way back. And we were wanting to see if she had any papers. We think she came from a spent sheep farm. And uh, the man denied that she was there. She was emaciated when she came to us. Her hair was very wiry. And now um, we believe that Savannah number two, and as you can see, we think she's going to have puppies. We know she's going to have puppies. We're not sure. We weren't sure because these two other dogs, Anna and Shirley, which is Anna of Green Gables, and Gilbert Blythe, um, we, we were on a trip. 
and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do. And, and so we said, wouldn't it, we jokingly said, yeah, wouldn't it be neat? We could just name our dogs Gilbert Blythe and Anne Shirley. We thought about naming Savannah number two Marilla, but Savannah was pretty important to us. So we didn't name her that. She does act like Marilla sometimes. I don't know if any of you, I'm not promoting that, but it's a, it's a good series. So anyway, so we named our dogs after the books, my, but, um, He's a pup. He's not even two years old. So we're like, you know, but uh, he will, he's daddy. And uh, then our goat who thinks she's a dog at times and a horse. Now, this is, um, this is probably for me the most important thing I want to leave you all with. And that is the aspect of ministry. We can all get benefits and we can figure out how we can improve our soil and, and do all that. But for Scott and I, for, and me, I, I thought that God had me going in a different direction. He had me, gar- I th- you know, he was teaching me how to garden and to grow produce. And I'm not denying, I will one day, I know that that is within his plan for me to do that again and seriously do that. At the same time, it was about ministry. And so I want to encourage you to, to uh, be, I don't want to say open-minded, but not be narrow-minded in when you're looking at ways to minister to other people's needs. Not everybody is where I am at today, but they are somewhere and they need to be reached. We are, have contact with Jehovah's Witnesses, with Jewish folks. Uh, I met a, some lady who was caught up in spiritualism the other day. She's talking about chickens having vibes, and I was like, wow, that's intense, Lord. I don't know about this. Help me, you know. But I was like, praise the Lord, you know. And uh, so anyway, so he's uh, Logan, who has no contact. Jan came to us, the man who asked us. We were asked to grow meat chickens and um, because we knew how to do it. And, and he trusted, he trusted us. His business was taken away from him a little, oh, maybe a year and a half or so ago. Um, not, not the whole business, but his chicken business was taken away. And he's like, Can, would you please, here's what happened. Our egg layers in January a year ago had, we had experienced about six months of drought and we're feeding these chickens and I don't have a job. And so I was like, okay. I don't know about this. Well, in the meantime, we decided, well, we need to get some more laying hens. So we go ahead and we're getting laying hens. But the frustration is we realized in November that our chickens had been getting the wrong feed for six months. We had mole issues. We had birds that had naked rear ends. And it was, it was, it was sad. And we're like, what's the issue? And it took us until the end of November to figure out that part of the reason was that our chickens were getting the wrong nutrients. We were purchasing feed from a feed mill. They didn't know that uh, somehow the communication got mixed up and we never realized it. And so our chickens were, were lacking behind. And so Sky is on his way to the feed mill one Friday morning and he's praying. He's like, Lord, we want to do your will. We don't want to be pushing our agenda before someone else's, you know, that kind of thing. We want to do what you want us to do. So we need a, I, I need to have a sign that you're okay with this. And that this is okay to, to proceed in this manner. And so he goes into the feed mill. And there's this man there that says, my mom, he's telling the owner that his mom is in hospice. 
Scott hears that and perks his ears and comes close to the conversation and he speaks and, he, and at one point says, well, do you have anybody to minister to you while you're going through this situation? So looking for those opportunities, he's not even now thinking about chickens. His thing is I need to minister to somebody who has a need. And so God had inspired him to, to do that and to come close to Dennis. And in coming close to Dennis, uh, he goes and he learns, he pray, goes and prays with Dennis, and um, he goes to visit his mom in hospice. Now, it's quite a miracle what happened there because hospice, in the house where she is at, she's less than 10 minutes from our house. The feed mill is an hour and 15 minutes south of us. And he said, I could have been, Mel, I could have had to go down to Kissimmee. For all, for all, the, who knows? I could have been out in Deltona, but I was like, I'm gonna go, and so he he accepted the call to go, and he's like, he's going there straight away. He's not coming home with the feed. He's going to hospice to visit this man's mother. So he goes to hospice to visit his, this man's mother, and uh, this lady walks in. Turns out to be his girlfriend. We thought that they were married, and they weren't. But we've had a wedding out of this whole ex experience as well. So not only have we have had a couple funerals, burials, and then uh, 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 Maggie giving her heart to Jesus and to um, and to following Him. And so, um, so, so fast forward to that. So we've had interactions not only with Scott interacting in the, in, and not just Scott with us. In fact, at one point, Dennis, this summer we were gone, or we were gone in May to a trip on a trip in Maine, and Dennis was just like, man, isn't there any, he's a welder, isn't there anything I can do for you, Scott? Isn't there anything you did all this stuff for me? I mean, I'm no kidding. This is literally, I mean, you just imagine my voice being deep, and Dennis is just like, I want to give back to you, and he's, Scott's like, no, man, I do this for Jesus, and so Anyway, so Dennis is like beside himself because he doesn't know what to do. He wants to give. And our uh, trailer broke while we're gone out of town. Literally broke. It was carrying our feed. Uh, Bob, the man who had taken care of the chicks back in, the 73-year-old man had gone down. It was a miracle. The whole thing, he was off of the highway. And right there in this, in the middle of 44 in Florida, it just breaks just right there. He wasn't in the middle of traffic. It was just right there. So Dennis Welder gets to come out to our house, and he's like, oh, I'm going to Waltonize this thing for you, you know? I mean, just imagine he's in his cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, just a big, burly guy. I'm going to fix this for you. That man that day was so hot. He was about, I think he was ready to have a heat stroke himself. I was praying that he would make it home. He, he threw up. But anyway, so it was pretty bad. And he, but he was welding our trailer. So Miss Maggie has joined the church. Dennis and Robin are married. Uh, everybody, Pastor, Jan calls him Pastor. Uh, so we, I want to encourage you that whatever you do, you look at it from the aspect of ministry. Well, not only what can I do to take care of myself and take care of my family and take care of providing good vegetables, but what can I do to minister to others? And so that's where our chicken farm has taken us. And that's how, I don't know. I, there's all kinds of questions, but uh, I've overdone my time, I think. Yeah, hey, let's, let's pray. And those of you who want to stick by, you can ask questions. How about that? Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Thank you for inspiring each one of us
to do something with the property that you are allowing us to take care of. Lord, we ask that each step we take will be done within your will and that we will know clearly that you have said that this is your will for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.